Welcome to Joe Picks, an NFL team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who he should root for next season. For the first half of today's doubleheader, we finish out your former AFC West with the Raiders. By the end of this episode, they'll either move on to the Sweet 16 or you'll send another pirate-themed mascot to their watery grave. Hit it, Jeff. Chargers fucked him over, wasn't that mean? So now he's starting over, picking a team. Joe makes the ratings, but Dan does all the work. Woody visit, Woody cheer each and every single year. Are the fans an angry mob? Root with them, but not with Rob. Drink the city's local booze while you wait for Joe to choose. Joe picks an NFL team. Dan, how's it going? How was your weekend? It's great. Great, Joe. I'm excited to be back at it. We've done all the calculations. We figured out the schedule. We are on a rigid, like, military-grade schedule here to get this done in time. But we've we found a way to do it, Joe. I think we have a plan. I mean, now all we have to do is execute on that plan, which is not a given, I would say. I think we can do it. Now, Joe, we assigned three super fans to do our for our quadruple header next week, and all three have sent in the research of, I will say, varying quality, but some, <laughs> I'm just going to read whatever they got. I'm not doing any research on my own. I'm going to do an abridged 49ers, and then we're just going to have the, uh, the short, or some of them aren't short, but the Bears, the Jaguars, and the whatever the other team was. <laughs> so folks have that to look forward to next week. Yes, yes. So the, if you ha- get in your feedback about any of those four teams, the three I mentioned and the one I can't remember. So that's good. Un- was it the Dolphins? No, no. The Dolphins are two weeks from now. Our, that, our, our final episode is going to be the Detroit Lions and the Miami Dolphins. So also... Saving the best for last. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> the two teams you're almost certainly interested in. I'm just hoping we can deliver on the promise of the quadruple episode and actually not make it just a five-hour episode, but that we'll actually do it in a lightning round manner. Yeah, I we'll think see. we can do it. I'm just—I'm not doing any research. The other team's the Rams. Now I remember the Rams. <laughs> so very exciting stuff coming in. Now, as a little update from last time, we talked about the fantasy football league. Well, I was willing to make the fantasy football league up to 50 teams i was just whatever but unfortunately yahoo has a maximum cap of 20 teams joe how many teams do you think are signed up right now i mean given the given the huge number of super fans out there i i'm gonna guess um maybe well we only talked about this in the last episodes people have not had that much time to do it yet i'm gonna guess eight teams so far eight that's my guess the answer is 18 teams are signed up, Joe. There wow. are wow. two slots left. So if you're listening to this right now, it might be too late. You know what I will say, actually? Here's a warning. I was talking to Rob this weekend. Rob has not signed up for the league yet. Oh, no. He's two episodes behind because he's, he's a teacher, so he's on summer break. So he's not commuting anymore. So he's two episodes behind. We need two super fans to join before Rob gets in. <laughs> Keep him out. That's harsh, Joe. He was a guest on the show. Anyone. Well, look, look, it's, it's his fault if he, if he listens. So, look, 
he has a few days, weeks to catch up. Uh, if no one signs up, the spot's his. That's true. I'm just going to go down this murderer's row of the team. We've got Simon, Joe, Superfan Tony, Ryan, Superfan D, could be anybody. Thomas, I think that's your friend Tom, but it could be anybody. Omen Q, another D. Wait, I think D's in there twice. Yannick, our favorite superfan. Superfan J. Riley the Diabetic. Superfan Ben. Superfan Bez. Oh, good. I was worried that Bez didn't get in. No, Karsten is in. Superfan Sean and Leia. Look at that, Joe. A female listener. I'm shocked. It's amazing. (laughs) Shocking. Superfan Leia. All right. Does D have have two teams or does d do we have two super fans named d i think d i actually think i need to delete one of these teams because some people did enter multiple times okay super fans only one entry per person so we might have three open slots i think you got people too excited by saying that you'd have up to 50 teams they just said oh well (laughs) yeah yeah. i'll take two or three teams this is going to be a hard this is going to be a hard league to manage dan why not you know what joe has we have some savvy fans looking for loopholes yeah, you are well aware. Joe, nobody wants to hear about any other fantasy team. The thing is, most of our listeners are in the league, so that's okay for this particular mention, but that's very exciting. You know, you got to be, you got to know where the secret lounge is to get in, but get in as quickly as you can. Before Rob. Yeah, before Rob. <laughs> All right. Now, moving on after that news into the other news. Joe, last week, you asked the poll question. Do you remember what you asked? Uh, remind me which is a worse alternate team name the Kansas City Mules or the Baltimore Americans oh Dan Dan okay now before you tell me the results I want to know what you think you wouldn't tell me your thoughts last week well I think the Baltimore Americans is like lame in its it's hokiness it's like it's not a real mascot I mean it's so bland to be anything american in america like pick something specific to your city i mean but mules is just i mean isn't jackass and mule the same thing no a jackass is a donkey but don't you think isn't a donkey and a mule the same thing because americans just boring and generic and like fake patriotic i kind of like that mules is is like it (laughs) a mule as a mascot is almost so bad that it's ironic our team is so good that we can have a mascot that's this lame. I mean, what do mules do? They're drug mules, which smuggle drugs. They're actual mules, which just carry stuff really slowly. Yeah, no, I think I think that's exactly it. Mules are known as, as like a pack animal, right? That, not not a pack animal like wolf packs, like, that you can pack shit on them. Like a pack Like mule. buffaloes, Joe. That's a pack animal. Yeah, no, buffaloes are a pack animal because they travel in packs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's P-A-C-K. We did them two weeks ago. Right. Whereas a mule is like a pack animal. Like you could just put a bunch of shit on it. So I could picture, but they're really strong. So I could picture a team that like that is their style of play too. They have these like really slow fullbacks that they just <laughs> hand the ball to, but they're super strong. They just kind of like half walk jog down the field to they, score a touchdown. They have no wide receivers on the roster. None. None. Well, they have, they have fullbacks lining up in the wide receiver slot. It's oh, yeah, all fullbacks. Yeah. yeah. Just muscle it. Just plow through the corners. <laughs> slow and steady wins the race. That's why if I were to have voted, 
I would have voted for the Americans as the worst mascot. Well, Joe, had you voted, you would have been on the correct side of history because in the squeaker, 56% to 44%, Baltimore Americans won as a worse alternate team name. So there you go. Wow. Wow. There you go. The, the people have spoken. Glad that settles it. All right. Now, let's now dive into the mailbag. Wait, so Dan, much can I tell cover. you what we're drinking first? I can't believe we've gone this long into the podcast. We've done 25 of these, and I still forgot the order of things. It's true. It's true. Uh, well, Dan, what I am drinking, I don't know what you're drinking, uh, is... Not that. A lovely mix of orange vodka, Cointreau, freshly squeezed orange juice, cranberry juice, and one ounce of fresh, none of this bottled bullshit, fresh sour mix, Dan. Now, Joe, I'm sometimes in this podcast, I need to be the, the conduit for the listener. So they've listened to this bizarre set of ingredients and are thinking, well, wait a second. The Raiders are black and silver. They are tough. What the hell does this fruity drink possibly have anything to do with the Raiders? Well, Dan, this drink is none other than the signature cocktail of the Bellagio Hotel. It's the Bellagio oh. Cocktail. Joe, and what significance does that have for this team? Well, I mean, they're in Oakland. They're in Oakland for this year. They're in Oakland for next year. But after that, they are the Las Vegas Raiders. And I have to imagine, this is legitimate, Dan. If I went to a Raider game, I would that weekend assuredly be drinking a lot of Bellagio cocktails. Yeah, yeah. Going to a Raider game actually is going to become... Just such a fun activity to do when you're in Vegas. Oh, absolutely. Like, your team is playing the Raiders, and you go, and that's just the whole weekend. Like, boom. How many, like, groups of guys will plan bachelor parties and other trips? I mean, they already plan those trips to Vegas just to go see their team play the Raiders. I mean, it will be... The Raiders are embracing the idea that the stadium will almost always be like 40% filled with fans of the other team, 40% filled with fans who don't give a shit, but are high rollers. So they got comp tickets. And then like, if they're lucky, 20% Las Vegas Raider fans. But the thing is Las Vegas, so close to LA having driven LA to Las Vegas many times, very easy drive. I mean, four hours, no problem. You make a weekend out of it. And as somebody who used to live in LA, a lot of, of Raiders fans in LA. So I think it's going to be a, just a weekend trip for everybody. I mean, for your rankings, you know, you eliminated the Chiefs last week. The Chargers are still alive, although, you know, that would be kind of lame to pick the same team <laughs> that abandoned you. And the Broncos are still <laughs> would our, alive. Would our fans be pretty disappointed if I picked the Chargers? I'd be very this This hours and hours of work would be down <laughs> the tubes if you picked the Chargers again. But what a. a if you're one one of those teams, you are guaranteed to have an away game in Vegas every year, which is so cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. It's a yeah, that's another thing to think about for sure. Yeah, yeah. Or if you pick the Raiders, then every week everyone is an opportunity to go there, Joe. Yeah. Well, we'll get, we'll get into that when we rate the city. I agree that. Uh, all right. Now, Joe, We've done the drink, we've done the poll, we've done the fantasy football update. Let's get to the mailbag, which f- overflowing as usual. So let's jump right into it. And, you know, why not, Joe? It's Packer Corner. 
Green Bay Wow, starting show. off with Packer Corner. Right off the bat. It's Packer Corner, pandering to cheeseheads who write to the show. Brought to you by Milwaukee's Best. By the way, I had to um, explain. My five-year-old daughter asked me what Packer Corner was. And I realized as I'm explaining it that like, I'm doing her a disservice because in her world, Packer Corner is like a real thing that exists. Like it's, you know, I mean, she's a kid. So she asks things like, she'll ask like, you know, what is a hover car? What is a fried plantain? Like just things that she hears. She's like, I don't know what that is. Right. Packer Corner is a thing that she just thinks all adults in the world know what Packer Corner is. And she just, because she's a kid doesn't know yet. Wow. Every every person who listens to this podcast knows what it is. It's sort of the favorite part. I know. I know. And okay. I was recently looking at the analytics, Joe, for our episodes. And really, it's like one episode has been listened to like twice as often as all the other ones. And all of them are numbers. So I had to sort of look it up. And yes, it is the Green Bay Packers episode. It, the the listening numbers is. for that one are startling compared to all the other ones. It's crazy. Green Bay loves them some Joe. All right. So here we go. From Superfan Brad. Now, this is going to end up being a Packer Corner, but it's coming at it from an unusual angle. So just just wait and see. I'm intrigued. Okay. Superfan Brad. Hello, Joe. I know this may be jumping ahead a bit in the process, but I have to implore you not to devote your football fandom to misery. Don't resurrect the Vikings as a possible choice. Sure. The fans were welcoming to you an outsider. They were likely pleased somebody paid their two-bit franchise the time of day. But what they didn't tell you about Viking fandom is that you wouldn't so much be a fan of the Vikings as you would become a hater of the Green Bay Packers. Let me tell you, when the Packers won the Super Bowl a few years back, Minnesota doctors were filling out prescriptions of Xanax faster than you could say, this isn't Detroit, man, this is the Super Bowl. But when the Packers faltered against Seattle in 2014 or last year when they were demolished by the Falcons, you couldn't find a more happier group of assholes. Many of these, quote, fans are really only happy when the Packers lose, not so much when the Vikings win. It's a sad disposition. It's like the eternal little brother syndrome in that big brother is successful, more attractive, and well-liked, while little brother spends his days sifting through dumpsters at 7-Elevens and beating his (laughs) illegitimate children with a stick. That's oddly specific. (laughs) so joe i ask you is it worth your football fandom to not really cheer for your new team in so much as you'll cheer the ruin of another franchise i think there's some karmic retribution involved in such a life vikings fans are vampiric parasites against sustenance not from the success of their team but the ruin of the green bay packers even if you don't end up going with the packers as your new team i'd be happy so long as you didn't devote your new fandom to such a pathetic franchise slam a stake through their vile hearts joe <laughs> the grammar on this is yeah, his rage was so much <laughs> the words started blending together but essentially he says slam slam a stake through their hearts don't allow them to return thank you for your time brad <laughs> well first of all thank you for the for for venting with us brad I, it sounds like that was very therapeutic for you Secondly, the Vikings fans, the Vikings future, not their fans, the the team's future in this process is completely up to the fans of our show. I mean, so Brad, feel free to weigh in, feel free to vote, get your friends to vote, whatever, as long as your friends are super fans, obviously. Yeah, Um, yeah. 
but but thirdly, I will say, I mean, the the Vikings fans that he describes in his email just does not square with the welcoming, loving, brotherly, sisterly, you know, familial group of people that I met on that Reddit forum. Yeah. They welcomed me with open arms, Dan. Although they might have been so happy that the Packers season ended in such a defeat last year to, you know, assuming the thesis of this email is true. Which brings me to another response to this email. You know, hatred is a powerful emotion. And I mean, if it might be that the best way for me to tap into my new fandom, that the easiest emotion for me to immediately latch onto won't be love for my new team, but hatred for my new team's rival. Mm. I mean, I probably do hate the Cowboys more than I like the Washington football club. Yeah. Yeah. Because hating the Cowboys is something that I can do every year throughout the whole season. If they have a good season, I can root to get them to the playoffs. If they have the bad season, I'm happy. But, you know, the Washington football club, when they have a bad season, it's just miserable. When they have the good season, they're going to lose anyways. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing, you know, so, so I've been rewatching, um, or not with my kids, I've been watching the Star Wars movies for the first time. So not me for the first time, them for the first time. So we, um, we watch the prequels because, uh, you know, they want to be like completest about it. First of all, the prequels are great for kids because they have no like palette for whether or not they're good or bad. Are the big uh, Jar Jar Binks fans? Huge, huge Jar Jar heads. They love them. <laughs> the dark um, Sith Lord in disguise. Yeah. But secondly, it's one thing that the Sith have right. Anger really is a powerful emotion. Like you draw a lot of power from anger. So, so, you know, saying that the, that the Vikings fandom is based on hatred and anger, I'm, you know, I might be okay with that. You're teaching your children. Wait, wait, hear the Sith out. Hear the Sith out. I'm just saying, no, look, I'm just saying it's, it's complicated. It's complicated. Let's, you know, the, the universe and the galaxy is not, is not so simple that it's black and white. The Sith have a point. Yeah. And I'll tell you. Those Jedi kill people sometimes, Joe. Who gave them the right to just kill whoever they want? The Jedi, okay, the Jedi kill people. They're basically tax collectors for most of the first two movies. They also, you can't love or get married or like, or they're like, hey, Anakin, your mom is still a slave on the planet you left, but you're not allowed to worry about that because you're a Jedi. Fuck you, man. I'm yeah. going to be a How Sith. well did that work out for the Catholic Church, Joe? Not yeah, well. Exactly. I mean, how well did it work out for the Jedi? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm just saying, much much like the Vikings fans, the Sith Lords have a point. Yeah, yeah. They're onto something. And they can like bring people back to life or whatever. That sounds pretty exciting. Well, that was never confirmed. Just some vague some vague promises. I don't know if Star Wars Corner is gonna be as big as Packer Corner, so Joe. <laughs> we're we're closing it. We're done. Packer Corner Green Bay loves them some Joe It's Packer Corner Pandering to cheeseheads Who write to the show Brought to you by Milwaukee's Best Alright, remember to use code Joe at checkout at your local liquor store for 20% off all of the fine products manufactured by Milwaukee's Best all right, Joe. Now we are done with the 
open mailbag, I have two Raiders emails, one good, one bad. But before we get into that, the little teaser, Joe, what is the fan feedback from our, our last week's episode? What do you think? The Ravens. Nice community, Baltimore. Beautiful place. We gave the Ravens a pretty high score. But it's also maybe like a rough, rough around the edges fan base. What's your guess? Do they like us or hate us? Well, Joe, I spent so much time writing the description for that podcast. I'm assuming that's the, that was the first thing they saw, and it probably made them so happy that they loved it. They hated us. Oh, no. <laughs> not, not positive reviews. So th- there's not a whole lot of rhyme or reason to it. What I think that it's sort of the first response that I get on Reddit largely sets the tone. Bunch of bandwagoners. Right off the bat, let me tell you, the one true detective says, go away, glory hunter. We don't need tryouts to be a Ravens fan. Cheer for the Browns or something. <laughs> Just sort of you, rough The Browns Cleveland. are your I lowest mean, rated team. <laughs> it's also, haven't you done enough to Cleveland? Yeah. Um, and then some people come to my defense like, hey, this guy's just testing out our team. Like, what's the big deal? And then the one true detective defends himself. He says, I would rather have real fans support the team I support than some plastics. Take that elsewhere. Ugh. So there you go. There you go. The Ravens may have made it on, but I may not be fully embraced by this community. Could be tough. Well, you could always reject them, Joe, after the fact. No, Dan, not doing it. That was that was a one-time deal reserved for the uh, for the Cardinals, who deserved it even more than the Ravens. All right. Well, it's certainly not going to help in the massively exciting playoff episode that's coming up only in like three weeks now, which is going to be fun. But before we get there, Joe, we have eight teams left. Let's get into the Raiders. I've got two long and thoughtful emails about the Raiders. One is good, one is bad. Joe, where do you want to start? Do you want to hear the pro side or the con side to the Raiders? Let's start with the con so then we can end it on an uplifting note. All right. From Superfan Bez. Right then, Joe, it is time for us to have a little sit down and have the talk. As you know, the NFL is becoming international, so the decision you make regarding a new team will have global consequences. I feel it is my duty to make you aware of these potential issues and steer you towards the right path. Stick with me, Joe. It'll it'll come together. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm along for the ride, Biz. All right. (laughs) I want you to shut your eyes and imagine you're in England. You have decided to fly over the Atlantic to watch the Spurs play against Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup, and no doubt you are representing your new NFL team by wearing your jersey to the game. As you arrive at the stadium, you notice where to a Tottenham game. Totally right. As you arrive at the stadium, you notice that the NFL is much more popular in Britain than you could have ever imagined. Left and right of you are Spurs fans all wearing the jersey of their team, and it makes you feel a little at home. You see a lot Mm -hmm. of Patriot fans, a few Broncos fans, and a ton of Seahawks supporters. At halftime, you get a pint and start chatting to these NFL fans. One guy tells you he started watching the NFL this year, so naturally he's a Pats fan. His friend got into American football a couple years ago, hence his bright orange Manning jersey. You soon realize that the Brits are all glory supporters, and the only jerseys you see are of teams that have recently won a Super Bowl. This, these fans didn't really understand the sport and couldn't even tell you the rules. Their knowledge extends to thinking Brady is a goat and ignoring that he is one of the biggest cheats in sporting history. 
The end of the game is approaching, and the Mighty Owls are beating Spurs 2-0, and your fellow wow. Tottenham fans wow. are getting Hold angry. Hold on. <laughs> Just taking it. This is already taking a dark turn. Yeah, stay in the moment. I'm already upset that I said 2-0 instead of 2-0, but I just had to press forward. A small group of fans is trying to start a mass brawl in front of you with a few people throwing punches. Then you see it. Almost all of these hooligans are wearing Raiders caps, the worst of the worst. Little did you know that by choosing the wrong NFL team to support, you could end up with an international crisis and forever unable to visit the UK. Picking the Patriots, Broncos, or Seahawks means you are a glory supporter. Choosing the Raiders means you are a wrong un. Just don't do it. Wow, that was quite the vivid scenario. I was yeah. I was transported. Yeah, you were, I really felt it could have been a bit more concise, but you, you, no, we really went on a a vision quest there. It was you know it wasn't the destination, Dan. It was the journey. It was quite a journey. I mean, it's not unfounded. I think uh, the Raiders fans have that, but you know. Frankly, it feels like, you know, soccer brawls have been happening for a long time, probably longer than the NFL even existed. So I'm not oh, sure which game the Raiders first. were a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the soccer hooligan came first. And they're and the stadiums in England now, they're very protected against hooliganism. There's like heavy, heavy police presence. That's good, Joe. That's good. And now for the pro side. And this is a new super fan. One I think you're already going to have a close connection with just due to his name from Superfan Damon. Ah, okay. But not your friend Damon. A new Damon. Another Damon. Hey, Joe and Dan. You may call me The Dude. All right. Superfan The Dude. I caught your post on the Packers subreddit and immediately went back and listened to the entire series. Green Bay. Loves them some Joe. (laughs) I finally caught up two weeks ago. Love the theme song, love the banter, love the show in general. I heard you're doing the Raiders soon. Now, I know that Joe is a former Bolts fan, so he probably knows enough about us to get by, but we won't hold that against you. I grew up as a Los Angeles Raiders fan and have suffered through the past 34 years of mediocrity, false hopes, and shitty players. Past rivalries aside, and the future moves to Las Vegas notwithstanding, here is why Joe should be a Raiders fan. Number one. We have the best theme song in the NFL, which I should have put on the soundboard, but I didn't. But it's good. I mean, so, so I'm just going to take the dude's word for it. <laughs> yeah, take the dude's word for it. Maybe I'll edit it in post. Maybe not. I don't know. But just wait. Pretend so should we're I like, react to it, to it as right if now. you're playing it? Okay. Okay. Yeah, hold yeah, on. I'll yeah. give you some reaction sounds. Okay. Dan, be quiet. Ready? Oh. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, wow. Huh. Wow. Wow. That's good. Dan, he he's not he's not fucking around. That's a that's a good theme song. Number 2. We are the only team in the NFL with Super Bowl trophies from two cities. Number three, we will win another Super Bowl soon. Wow. Number four, if we win one in Vegas, that'll put us as the only team in the history of American football to win a Super Bowl in three different cities. Well, I thought they already had that, but okay. 
Number five, our colors and logo are badass. Come on, even a Charger fan knows this. Number six, you don't fuck with Raiders fans. Your season ticket book comes with a punch out shank for game day. (laughs) Number seven, there is only one Raider Nation and we are Legion. Number eight, we have the black hole, the south end zone section where fans dress up like it's Halloween and mercilessly taunt opposing players. Number nine, our division is without a doubt the most competitive in the AFC right now. Number 10, Jack Del Rio has balls the size of coconuts and is doing great things as our head coach. Number 11, we hate Tom Brady for the tuck rule bullshit. True that. Number 12, you won't have to stop hating the Broncos and the Chiefs. Ah, Joe. Number 13, our fantasy football potential is amazing this year. Hey, hey, let's not skip ahead. Number 14, we'll understand if you rate Mark Davis as a monster. Al looked like something out of the Dark Crystal for a number of years there, and Mark looks like (laughs) a grown-up Chucky doll. (laughs) They have both moved the team out of Oakland now. That's true. And last, soon we will be in Las Vegas, and if you can't find a good time in Las Vegas for a weekend, you're actively trying not to. All right. Then he gives us a proposed drink, which you did not choose. You chose something else. But his drink actually looks better than yours, the silver and black. One and a half ounces of Patron Silver, two ounces of Bacardi Black Rum. Fill it up with cola and enjoy. Wow. That does sound good. That's it. That's his email. Thank you, Superfan Damon. Yeah, there's a lot of good points in there, some of which we're going to get to in the different categories. But I do think overall, one thing that is interesting is the pride that Damon takes in the amount that the team has moved around. Yeah. And I have a coworker who's a Raider fan. And I asked him, I said, are you going to follow the Raiders? And I know this guy's actually like from Oakland. And I said, are you going to follow the Raiders when they move? Because I'm kind of thinking like, hey, maybe, you know, it'd be interesting for the podcast to know what team he's going to pick. And he looked at me like I was an idiot. He's like, yeah, but like, I don't care where the Raiders play. And it's, it's such a different, I'm sure there are people in Oakland who are livid about it. So I don't want to diminish that. But based on on what you were saying too earlier about just the, the number of Raider fans in LA. Well, they weren't in LA when you lived there, they were in Oakland for, for whatever reason, just the, the, the culture around the Raiders, their fans don't seem to give a shit where they play. Yeah. There's a really great article about this that I read and researched for this podcast by Mike Lombardi about Al Davis, which a little bit of a come up in the owner section, but this is relevant where it talked about Al Davis when he was like creating the team, marketing the team, They weren't the Oakland Raiders or the Los Angeles Raiders. They were just the Raiders. And that was like very important to Al Davis. Like it wasn't a he he wanted to make the team an international like icon of whatever that whatever it was. And, And frankly, for a large part, he did. And I think he that's why there's like it's crazy. You go to Los Angeles and you will see like it's not that the people with the bumper stickers or whatever like a sizable percentage of cars driving around have it where it's like the back uh, window of the car has like the giant Raiders thing on it. And it's like if you go into any parking lot in any supermarket, at least five cars will have that giant Raiders thing on a team that hasn't played there for like 20 years. Yeah. And they just don't care where the team plays on Sunday. That's like the least relevant thing. But it is funny to think about like the team I root for is 3,000 miles away from me. You know, the team you used to root for is, uh, you know, all the way across the coast. Like, why does it matter where the team plays? Yeah, no, I mean, all the 
all the talk we're doing about me finding a new team. I mean, I haven't lived in San Diego in, in almost yeah. a decade. Yeah. But anyways, that's a, that's exciting. We'll, we'll uh, I guess, talk a little bit more about that in the owner section, and we'll talk about that more as we go. But uh, let's get right into the, the meat. Tony, for the draft status. First-round cornerback Garion Conley was accused of sexual assault pre-draft, but the Raiders took him anyway and think they got a steal. Second round, they got safety Obi Melifonwu from UConn, and third round defensive tackle Eddie Vanderdoes from UCLA. Basically, they're trying to upgrade a historically bad defense that puts the offense behind the eight ball all year and force them to come from behind and get into shootouts to win. Very entertaining, but ultimately, you don't want to be leaning that heavily on one side of the ball at all time. So there you go. Big investments in the defense, which, you know, we'll get into later. But yeah. yeah, their defense was definitely the worst side of the ball last year. Thanks, Tony. Number one, you don't want a team that is too good or too bad. So the Oakland Raiders have Super Bowl odds of 18 to 1. Which is pretty much the sweet spot for this category. I think it's, yeah, definitely right in your zone. Towards the top end of your sweet spot. Past Super Bowls. They have won the Super Bowl three times. They won the Super Bowl in 1976 when they beat the Minnesota Vikings. They won in 1980 when they beat the Philadelphia Eagles. And they won in 1983 after they moved to Los Angeles when they beat my beloved Washington Football Club in the Super Bowl. They appeared in the Super Bowl a couple other times in 2002 and then way, way back in 1967. So this is a team that up until the end of the salary cap era was just absolutely you know, in in the mix all the times. Five Super Bowls, three Super Bowl victories. So, I mean, very, very relevant team. But in the post-salary cap era, they have been pretty dreadful. So coming into last season, they had not made the playoffs in, I believe, 12 or 13 consecutive seasons. But, of course, last, uh, last year they turned it around and made the playoffs. But I guess I'm, uh, you know, jumping the lead a little bit here in our game... Uh, Top third, middle third, bottom third. <laughs> so, Joe, win percentage. Top third, middle third, bottom third. Uh, bottom third. Playoff wins. Bottom third. And made the playoffs. Oh, well, they made it one time. and I, It's like a low bar. Okay, I'm going to say bottom third. All right, you're right on all three. I really... Yes. I've done... This is a 25th podcast, and this is the second time I've been completely out of order in how I do things. But, yes... They're in the bottom. We're just mixing up the form format. Keep yeah. our listeners on their toes. Yeah. So their win percentage is terrible. Thirty-seven and a half percent over the past ten years. Zero playoff bin. Zero playoff wins, and they've only made the playoffs one time. But that time they made it was last season when they won twelve and five, and frankly were very poised to win that first playoff game if not for a late season injury to their up and coming young quarterback Derek Carr. So. Uh, there you go. Their over-under for wins this season is 9.5. And, and as we'll get to in the next part about the division that we already know is competitive, they are, um, you know, they're definitely in the mix for the division. So this is a team that's got legitimate Super Bowl odds, expected to be a winning team, is certainly a team on the rise. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think if we were doing this podcast two years ago, three years ago, I would have just said, like, no, they're too bad. They've just had so much mismanagement in the recent history that like, there's no way I can root for them. But I mean, they're definitely a team on the ascendancy. I would be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs this year and like could 
legitimately see them going on a run. It's also, I think they're hitting a good sweet spot of like, they have a young core talent to their team. So you feel like you're, you be coming with them on the upswing on like the start of, of their, I mean, I I don't think they're going to be a dynasty, but like of, of a good run of, you know, 10 years or so. So I think that they're in a pretty good spot. Are they too good because they have some Super Bowl wins? So maybe it's been a long time since they won the Super Bowl. It's been a long time since they've been to the Super Bowl. No, over 30 years. I mean, they were in the Super Bowl in 2002, though. I read stories about the Super Bowl. It is really crazy. There's like that Super Bowl, essentially, they hurt, you know, their, their center apparently got like drunk or something the night before the game and didn't even play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> didn't play in the Super Bowl. And the there's some like evidence that the coach was throwing the game for some reason. This is it apparently that Super Bowl is like if you're in the, the conspiracy theory world, like there's a lot going on in that two thousand and two awesome. Super Bowl. That's great. I don't think that their past Super Bowl wins, they were so long ago. And I mean you have to think it if they won the Super Bowl in the next two years, it would be such an odd thing because they're in this sort of like lame duck franchise mode. And that's yeah. the only thing that I worry about in terms of too bad is they're playing for two seasons in a city that they've already agreed to leave. And as much as we talked just a minute ago about how Raiders fans don't care where they play, I have to imagine that the Raiders fans in Oakland who they're relying on to buy tickets might be pretty peeved about this. So yeah. th- that's the one thing that that might, you know, it's hard to play games in front of angry fans. So maybe that makes them a little bit worse. But I think this team is really right on like right where I would want a team in terms of not being too good or too bad. So I'm going to go, Dan, this is going to be shocking. I'm going to go nine out of 10. Nine right out of 10. Wow. I'm not shocked. I, I think, I mean, I think they're, they're right in your sweet spot of teams that you really like. Uh, so number two, what do you think about the division? Well, there's, you know, what can be said about this division that hasn't already been said in the past four episodes. The betting odds have not changed since we did this last week. The Raiders and the Chiefs, both 30% favorites to win the uh, division. The Broncos right behind them at 25% and your former Chargers with a puncher's chance at 15%. And just to rehash it, you gave a six and a half to the Chiefs last week who are really almost identical to the Raiders in, uh, you know, in chance of winning the division, probably in chance of winning overall. You gave the Chargers a three and the Broncos a four and a half. So, Dan, this is a good a category as I need to talk about my new favorite segment, which is what is Joe's family doing? What's your family doing, Joe? <laughs> so one of the things that we talked about last week with the Chiefs was my dad rooting for the Chiefs. and. Yeah. The one thing that my dad is like adamant about is with this podcast. He's like, pick whatever team you want. Don't pick the Raiders because they're the Chargers rival. And yeah. he hates the Raiders. And he's like, look, I may not like the Chargers anymore, but I still hate the Raiders. Yeah. Now, complete opposite of that, my cousin Joe, who you know, Joe also had to pick an NFL team because he was a Charger fan. And he is rooting for the Raiders for the exact same reason my dad won't root for the Raiders. He's like, well, the Chargers fucked me over. They're the Chargers rivals. I'm going to go root for the Raiders. Wow. Wow. It's the spite (laughs) fandom. As we already talked about earlier, hate such a powerful emotion. (laughs) 
Right. So in the division, you know, the Chiefs are sort of like, and the Broncos too, they're, they're, they're adjacent to the Chargers in the AFC West. But if you're a Raider fan, you get to hate the Chargers. Yeah. It's pretty appealing. And it's sort of a double take because the 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 Chargers blocked. I mean, the Raiders wanted to move back to Los Angeles, and the Chargers blocked them. Like the Chargers took that second spot that would have gone to the Raiders. And and for whatever you can say about Vegas being a good fit, I mean, Los Angeles would absolutely have been a better fit for the Raiders. Like if the Raiders had moved to Los Angeles, they would have by far been the like the most the fan team that everybody in LA I mean everybody in LA already roots for them and nobody's going to give a shit about the Chargers but the Chargers blocked them out you know anyways yeah the Rams really dodged a bullet there huh (laughs) well the Rams like we'll get into it we'll get into the Rams next week (laughs) so I actually do think despite the similarity to the Chiefs and why one would 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 think that this should be a six and a half I think there's a little bit of extra weight given to the fact that I'm actually talking about the Chargers, who abandoned me, their number one rival. Yeah. So I'm going to say seven and a half. All right. Wow. The highest rating in that. But I, I think it's fair. I think it's like they're the most iconic team in that division, I think, you know, historically speaking. Historically, sure. And like the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? So there you go. Absolutely. Number three, does the head coach meet a minimum threshold of competence? Two seasons ago, Roto World put their coach, Jack Del Rio, which uh, superfan Damon spoke so highly of for his big balls, at number 20. This season, they also put him at number 20. So there you go. It's consistent. They say Jack Del Rio has zero division titles in 11 years as a head coach, one fewer than Tony Sperano. That's hard to do in the four-team division era. Del Rio does have three 11-win seasons on his resume, but ask Jet Fisher, what's that gets you? Not much. Del Rio's teams will rarely embarrass <laughs> themselves. Love, That's good. They love throwing shade at Jeff Fisher. I, know. It's, <laughs> I, think, I think whoever wrote this article was paid per Jeff Fisher mention. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Nevertheless, clearing that low bar is no longer enough. For a franchise with Derek Carr and Khalil Mack entering their primes, the Broncos' defense improved to championship level after coordinator Del Rio departed in 2015. That will be something for the Raiders to keep in mind if Del Rio can't bring home a division crown that's been 12 years in the making. Yeah, I don't, I don't, um, I don't think I like Jack Del Rio. I don't, I don't. I thought he was still the Jaguars' head coach. <laughs> no, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I think of Jack Del Rio as a great head coach, but it is at least good to hear that the Raider fans like him. I mean, Damon didn't necessarily defend the owner. So it's not like Damon's just a homer who will just say whatever to get me to refer his team. And usually fans are like the first ones to kind of smell blood in the water around a head coach. Yeah. So the fact that Damon thinks that Jack Del Rio has balls the size of coconuts, it's like... Either he has a medical condition or he's actually somewhat liked by the it's fans. like that South, South Park episode. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah. No. Sounds like yeah. a South Park episode. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say six out of ten. Six out of ten. All right. 
that's a pretty high score given Roto World. But you know what? You're you're Look, using I the feedback. David. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number four, do the players get in trouble with the law? So, uh, the Raiders. What do you think? Do you think they get in trouble a lot, not get in trouble? What do you think? I mean, based on the reputation of the Raiders, I'm going to guess that they're in trouble all the time. Like, number one team. (laughs) Well, we already did the number one team earlier. Number two team. No. They are in the... Overall, they're in the middle, and in the past five years, they're in the uh, bottom third or the top third or whatever the good one is. And wow. in fact, they have not had a single incident on the crime blotter since March of 2014 for over three years of clean living for every single player on the Oakland Raiders roster. Wow. Well, Dan, I know that you keep a lot of like these stats just in your head because you're such a data guy and you love the NFL. Is it true or is it just my perception that the Raiders are much that on the field, forget off the field now, on the field, they're much more penalized and much like rougher team than any other team in the NFL. So, Joe, in 2016, the team that was number one in penalty yards per game was the Oakland Raiders. Ah, see. In 2015. The Oakland Raiders were number five in penalty yards for a game. And when I say this, I mean like the bad way. So this is most penalty yards. Right. And uh, in 2014, they were better. But yeah, so last year they were the most penalized team. So yeah, you are right about that. But Joe, that's not getting in trouble with the law. That's getting in trouble with the referees. But on the field, the referees are the law, Dan. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) No, I say that only because I think actually the Raiders have cultivated a certain persona that may that that maybe just isn't true out in the community, but at least they're living up to it on the field. And you know, like when you watch the old like NFL film stuff, and they talk about like the dirty players that would like wrap barbed wire in their like gloves or, or like um, clothesline people as they're like coming around the corner. It's always the Raiders, always. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were um, like the bad boys. Like one of this guy. Jack Tatum, who is this one of the famous bad boys who is known as the assassin. <laughs> you know, he played for the Raiders. Like, th- this is how they co- cultivated the the image of it. And, uh, yeah. So, so that was absolutely true in the past. But I, I don't know. You know, the Raiders were the team that in the, like, from the 60s to the early 90s, they were this bad boy, rough, successful, brash team. And, you know, we know it. Like, in our lifetimes, the Raiders have been kind of a joke. Like, Al right. Davis is a joke. And, right. um, you know, it's true. Think, I think we're on the precipice of something because I think that just like what we talked about in previous episode, I think just like baseball is better when the Yankees are good, I think football is better when the Raiders are good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it's fun. I think and, and the know. Raiders love to be the heel. They love to be the bad guys. So Absolutely. This category, the question is, is the team evil? The Raiders embrace being evil. That's their <laughs> whole shtick. I if I were their owner, I'd be encouraging them to get in trouble <laughs> with the law. You are ruining our reputation. The problem uh, is they can't get they can't get pulled over for marijuana possession because it's legal in California. 
Thank God they're moving to Nevada where, where everything's illegal. No, Nevada just legalized <laughs> it. God damn it. Uh, all right. This is a team that is clearly evil. They love being evil, but they're definitely evil. Three out of ten. <laughs> Three out of ten. All right. It's good. I didn't even forget to play our highlight because I was reaching anyways. Number five. Because there's nothing on the crime blotter. I mean, they've, just, they've done nothing for three years. It's amazing. Can't root for a team that Rob roots for. Rob, obviously, is a on a good, like the Packers are like a good team. They're the Jedi of the NFL. So the Oakland Raiders as a Sith Lord, he must hate them. He must. Dan, see, you think he hates the Raiders. The Raiders are Rob's seventh favorite team. Right up there, he says, the Raiders have been a laughingstock for so long, but I have to admire Al Davis's willingness to tell the league to fuck off for his whole career. Too bad they're moving away from Oakland, though. Glad to see Marshawn. It's Marshawn Lynch, by the way. Back in the league will be a fun team to watch this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well-reasoned. Good well thought out, consistent ranking to explanation. But he loves the Raiders, so that means that I have to root against the Raiders. Three out of ten. All right, they got off to a hot start, but they're they're lagging a little bit. But this has to help them. Is it a city you'd enjoy visiting to go to a game, Joe? In uh, we've got to shave some time off here. So, do you want me to talk about Oakland or Vegas? But I will only talk about one of them. I pick Vegas. All right. Vegas. It's a shame because in Oakland, multiple things on the top 10 I had gone on dates to. So I was I had all sorts of local knowledge. But you know what? Frankly, I've been to a lot of these places in Vegas, too, as have you. Number one in Vegas, Joe. Have you been to the Red Rock Canyon National Conservation Area? Literally the thing I'm least interested in when I'm in <laughs> Vegas. It's number one thing. Number two, number two. The multitude of las vegas shows have you seen a las vegas show joe literally the second least interesting thing in you've vegas never Monday. seen a show well what Not kind of a, show i don't know i mean like a jerry seinfeld or celine dion or one no. of those acrobat Mm-mm. shows no no oh Penn and teller no Mm-mm. oh my god joe that's a number two number three the high roller roller coaster though i will Gen- say though now now britney spears is there I might, yeah. I might do that. Yeah, Britney, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> High roller roller coaster. I'm sure you've never done that. No. All right, number four, the botanical gardens at the Bellagio. <laughs> Fucking botanical gardens. You, are you kidding? No, I've definitely done this. You know, I think Every we've done it together. Every goddamn city. <laughs> because those botanical gardens, I think, are right next to, like, the buffet area. I think Wait, you no, can just, like, walk the glass, through it. The glass thing? I don't know. What, what glass thing? Yeah. No, oh, yeah. No, no, no not done, the glass thing, oh, the botanical yeah, yeah. gardens. Yes. Yeah, in fact, my friend Alex's fiance fell into the fountain there. Oh, wow. All right, I mean, there you go. She's his wife now, but yeah. No, all right. <laughs> Congratulations. Number five is shooting range. Mm, no. Mm-mm. And number six, Joe, a place I'm sure you've been to, The Strip. <laughs> That's all the way down on number six? That's number six. So the botanical gardens on the strip are higher than the actual entire strip, which include the botanical gardens. Yeah, but that you could say then Las Vegas, the city, should be number one because everything's in it. 
No, but I'm saying that if you're going to put something on the list, you can't have the subset thing that's within that thing higher on the list. Yeah, I don't know, Joe. We don't have time for this this existential crisis. Okay, but wouldn't it be weird if like number three was, oh, like this certain cactus inside of the botanical gardens, and then number six was the botanical gardens. But well, well, maybe. What if the botanical gardens are huge, and it's like that cactus is really awesome, but the rest of the botanical gardens are like <laughs> blah. But the botanical gardens are part of the greater, or the cactus is part of the greater botanical garden experience. Yeah, but it's like I've been to that place. There's some place in Seattle that has the room with all the butterflies in it, but then the rest of the place is like pretty boring. That butterfly room is awesome, but the whole rest of the place, the the average of the place is much lower than that one room inside of it. But that's not true of the entire Las Vegas Strip. I think the Botanical Gardens at Bellagio is better than the average of the Vegas Strip. I mean, first of all, the average of the strip is sidewalks where it's 100 fucking degrees. But it can't be better than the entirety of the strip because the strip includes the botanical gardens. But it can be better than the average of it. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Okay, so 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 this is top 10 places to visit. So you have a travel agent who says, hey, I'm going to give you, Dan, a free trip to Vegas. There's, there's, a, there's a rule, though. You can only go to one place on this list. Would you rather go to the botanical gardens or would you rather go to the entire strip, which I should mention includes the botanical gardens? Well, the which thing would you is, rather do? This, well, no, no, no. Just answer the question. Which would you rather do? The strip itself is a road that goes down and with a bunch of casinos on the side of it. I would rather go in a casino <laughs> so I could gamble. No, no, but, but the strip, Dan. Clearly, the answer is you would pick the entire strip because it includes the botanical gardens. All right, can you just give this a score, Joe? We do not have time for this. <laughs> Nine out of ten. All right, nine out of ten. So one of your favorite travel destinations, if not your most favorite. Well, and you know, we talked about how like New Orleans is the Las Vegas of the South. Las Vegas is the Las Vegas of where I live. Yeah, it's it's the Vegas of the West. It's really the Vegas of everything, to be honest. Number seven: Does the team have player or players you could put on your fantasy roster? Finally, Joe. In addition to getting in long arguments with people about keeper rules. The Yahoo Fantasy <laughs> Leagues are back, so now I don't have to use stats from last year. I can use stats from this year. So I'm going to list a player. I'm going to tell you in the mock drafts that are going on, on on Yahoo what the position that the players are drafted, the average cost in the auction, and what percentage of the time they're drafted. So you can get a feel for how you know which of these players are the like must-have players and which of these players are just sort of duds that nobody cares about. Did Sean, did Sean not hook us up? No, Sean didn't do, Sean did all the research for one of the teams, but he, uh, he didn't, uh, you know, Sean's Sean. busy, but that's okay. I've done it. Quarterback, Derek Carr. Oh my God, Derek Carr. He's so good. He must be great. But the people on those Yahoo fantasy mock drafts say, eh, he's only 13th, the 13th most drafted quarterback. And though he is drafted in 100% of leagues, so He's clearly one of the top-ranked backup quarterbacks. His average cost in the auction, $2. So Mm. Derek Carr does not seem very sought after. But when we get to the wide receivers, it's a whole different story. There are two wide receivers, Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. Amari Cooper is the 11th highest uh, value wide receiver, going for an average cost of $37. Michael Crabtree, the 20th most valuable wide receiver, going for an average cost of $10. 
And both of them are, of course, drafted in 100% of leagues. So these are two high-value wide receivers that uh, to look at. Running back, as you mentioned, Marshawn Lynch, the 15th highest-value running back, though I dare say this has boom or bust potential. You know, he was retired last season. Who knows? Average cost, $19. Drafted, 89% of leagues. So... Some leagues, they've decided it's too risky. But I'm surprised that that many don't have him, at least drafted. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Might have been a typo. Tight end, Jared Cook, $1, drafted in only 14% of leagues. And the defense, drafted in 77% of the leagues, which is pretty low. So you've got absolute studs at wide receiver, especially Amari Cooper, who is by far their you know, most valuable player. Marshawn Lynch is a really boomer bust. You know, who knows what you're going to get with him. He He's certainly not going to be standing up during the national anthem. That you can count on. Uh, but, you know, otherwise, it, it's not like a uh, Steelers. You know, what? you know what? That's why he's only owned in 89% of leagues. <laughs> so, the, People uh, don't want to own him. Yeah, yeah. It's just, this is like Kaepernick all over again. Yeah. Well, you can't even draft Kaepernick. He's not even in the NFL. But uh, what do you think, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard for me to make a judgment on this without uh, Sean's girlfriend describing the looks of every player. Derek Carr, very good-looking guy, <laughs> I can say. Thanks for thanks for filling in, Dan. And I really like Marshawn Lynch's personality. Like, I think that, you know, that Conan bit he did playing Madden <laughs> is, like, so epic. When he's playing Gronk and Madden, it's so good. I think there's definitely players I could put on a fantasy roster. I don't think that they're filling out my roster or that it's anyone that, you know, I'm building a team around. Maybe, maybe Amari Cooper. I think this is pretty high. I think it's a six and a half out of 10. Six and a half out of 10. All right. Well, considering you gave the Bills six and a half, I think that's a fair score. All right. Number eight. Is the owner a monster? All right. This is going to be interesting. So the owner of the team is Mark Davis. He is the son of Al Davis, who is one of, if not the most famous owner in NFL history. Obviously, tight competition with Jerry Jones. But, you know, Al Davis is just Al Davis. I mean, he's immortal for for what he did, the way he ran the team, the way how brash he was. He was the general manager of the team. You know, he imbued his personality in his team, in the marketing. He moved it from city to city. You know, unbelievable. But this this wonderful article that uh, Mike Lombardi, who I've uh, talked shit about on this podcast before, but he did a good job in this article. He worked for Al Davis and talked a lot about Al Davis. And Mark Davis is very much the opposite of Al Davis in many key ways. So... Al Davis was incredibly hands-on. I mean, he was the general manager of the team. The draft room revolved around him. Everybody would come to him with the things. He, you know, had a a board with a, a grease marker and was, like, doing all this stuff. There was no technology allowed in the, the room, no computers or whatever. He was just doing it all himself. Mark Davis, very hands-off. <laughs> Mark Davis hired a general manager, Reggie McKenzie. And even when the team was going badly and everybody was like, hey, you got to fire this guy. Mark Davis is like, no, you know, he's a GM. He's doing a good job. You know, let him handle the organization. I think it's, you know, the the rebuild has gone quite successfully. I mean, the Raiders made the playoffs for the first time in like 14 seasons under Reggie McKenzie. 
Al Davis loved confrontation. I mean, there was he just wanted to battle with the league. He wanted to battle with anybody. Whereas Mark Davis willing to compromise. And the example that is, you know, at the forefront of this is that the Raiders wanted to move to LA. They wanted to leave Oakland. And the NFL essentially decided that the Rams got first priority, that the Chargers got second priority, and the Raiders got third priority. And obviously the Chargers took their second slot and the Raiders were blocked out. And if it were Al Davis, Al Davis would have sued the NFL. Al Davis, you know, if Al Davis wants to move to Los Angeles, Al Davis is going to move to Los Angeles. But Mark Davis, what does he do? He says, all right, you know, if we can't move to Los Angeles, let's find a new place to go to. And then creates this new opportunity in Las Vegas, something Al Davis would have never done. Al Davis would have relished the opportunity to fight the league. But Mark Davis is willing to work with the league to find a, a solution that you know works for everybody. Uh, additionally, Mark Davis, outspoken supporter of uh, harsh penalties for domestic abusers in the NFL. Uh, he, he's he's talked about it before. They've uh, the Raiders have apparently passed when um, Greg Hardy was a free agent, which we're actually going to get to in the second half of this podcast as related to the Carolina Panthers. The Raiders were linked to being potentially interested in Greg Hardy, and Mark Davis came out and said that they specifically were not. They're not interested in having, uh, you know, domestic abusers on their team. That's not <laughs> the culture that they want. And, you know, it's you, the data backs it up. As I said, they haven't had a single incident in the last nearly three and a half years. So, uh, you know, it's, it's something to give them credit for. You know, very few teams, if not any of the others, can say that. And, yes, they moved the team. But I would say being, you know, living here, I think Oakland knew for a very long time that the team was going to move. And I don't it's I, it's different to me, I think, than the Chargers situation. I think people in Oakland were disappointed that the team was moving. But at the same time, the demands that they had made it clear that it was impossible for, you know, Oakland couldn't afford to build a new stadium and they weren't going to do it. And, right. you know. The Raiders were going to move. It was just a matter of where and when, and then it eventually happened. And I, I don't think I think the people in Oakland were sad that it didn't work out. But at the same time, you know, it's it wasn't a surprise. I Oakland themselves, I think, kind of is happy that the Raiders are leaving because the you know the Raiders had been a thorn in their side for a long time, and uh, so you can certainly hold that against them. But you know, one other thing is like the Chargers were founded in San Diego in the '60s and moved. The Raiders founded in Oakland, moved to LA for a long time, moved back to Oakland, are now moving to Vegas, like moving, as I said, like Al Davis considered them the Raiders as sort of, they don't need a locality. So right. Right. It, it's, I don't think it's the same as taking a team that's entire culture was based in a place and then removing them. This is a team that always said, we're going to move around. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it might seem a little hypocritical to, 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 to give Mark Davis a pass for what we, or what I, you know, really hated Spanos for. But I agree, it does seem different. And like what we talked about earlier, like I think that the Raiders, their link to a city is just always more tenuous than the Chargers who really were the San Diego Chargers. Yeah. It sounds like, first of all, he does have the worst haircut of any person I've ever seen, pretty much. (laughs) What the fuck? He's He's a billionaire. Well, actually, the Davis. I mean, this is a thing. They're not like yeah. They're all, like, all the yeah, money no. comes from the team. Yeah, they're so, the, but, but he, he, they have assets in the billions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I don't think he owns a full team. But yeah, he he's certainly hundreds of millions of dollars in net worth. What decision making goes into that haircut then at that point? <laughs> I don't know. It's... What are you saying to the world with that haircut? <laughs> that you look, as Damon said, like an adult Chucky doll. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it just you say, look, you know what? I'm so rich. I just am not going to give a fuck what my hair looks like. I'm going to intentionally give myself a weird haircut. That being said, he actually sounds like a pretty decent owner. Like, if I were a Raider fan that didn't care where they played, I would probably like Mark Davis. Am I wrong about that? I, I think it's it's weird because Al Davis was so iconic. And I think it's like it's fun to have an owner like that. But at the same time, Al Davis, and this is a thing that came up in the Mike Lombardi column too, like Al Davis refused to change his attitude and demeanor even as the nfl changed it was like when he was right he was the best because he refused to change but then when he was wrong he was absolutely dreadful totally because he refused to change and it's like mark davis is like the opposite where he's not if you want a hands-on owner like a jerry jones or like he's not going to be like that so he's going to be more hands-off but you know that that can be for better or for worse i think because i don't think he's he's not like Al Davis where he's going to like, or even Jerry Jones, like he's not going to be front and center if the team's going well or going badly. I think he's a little more hands-off and behind the scenes, which you could argue might make for more franchise success, but you might argue that maybe it doesn't because he's not as involved in everything that goes on. So, yeah, I mean, Al Davis was like a football guy. Like he, his, his career was football even before he was an, a, an NFL owner. And, he was, as you said, the GM of the team as well. And I remember when Al Davis was still alive and they would draft players and it was just things that empirically, like every every analyst was like, oh, that is a terrible pick of someone who even if you thought that player was good, you could have waited two rounds. Yeah. And it was always based on like, oh, well, yeah, this player's not very good, but they're super fast or whatever. Like it was yeah. some... Oh, it was they, always they was, that. There was an addiction to, to drafting the the wide receiver that had like the fastest 40 time for a while. Yeah. He was a GM, like how I would GM my Madden franchises. Yeah. But he's not the owner anymore. And it sounds like Mark Davis isn't owning the team with that same style. It's still the Davis family, which I've sort of grown up hating. I'm going to say six and a half out of 10, six and a half out of 10. All right. Fair score. If it were Al Davis still owning the team in like five years ago, what do you think you would have given it? I mean, I think it's actually the worst, like whatever good can be said about Al Davis, the worst is a meddling owner who is not competent because yeah. it's, it's the one GM that can't be fired. Because the data would show it's like his draft picks are terrible. They haven't made the playoffs and like, you know, it's what's fast forward to five years ago. It's like they haven't made it in like eight consecutive seasons. He's drafting these like, Right, crazy like these guys who are fast and can't catch the ball. <laughs> so, what do you think you would give him? But he's brash and outspoken, and like yeah. you know, he's a face. Yeah, I probably would have done like a four out of ten because because you probably hate him as a GM, but lo- but like him as an owner. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark Davis beats uh, beats the father, but you know, go back to 1993 and you give him a ten out of ten. Number nine, rate the uniform and the logo. So. We've got our little, first of all, the uniform is so iconic. The black and silver, I mean, 
it was uh, handpicked those colors by Al Davis. He liked it very, you know, iconic, strong, flashy. Why are they called the Raiders? Well, Oakland's first general manager, Chet Soda, which it sounds wow, like a great fake name. name. <laughs> Chet. <laughs> oh, boy. S- sponsored a Name the Team contest in 1960. Helen Davis, an Oakland policewoman, probably no relation to Al Davis, submitted the winning entry, the Seniors, and was rewarded with a trip to the Bahamas. The nickname, an allusion to the old Spanish settlers of Northern California, was ridiculed in the weeks that followed, and the fans also claimed that the contest was fixed. (laughs) Scotty Sterling, a sports writer for the Oakland Tribune who would later become the team's general manager, that's crazy, provided another reason to abandon the nickname. That's no good. We don't have the accent mark for the N in our headline type. So they could not be the Oakland seniors. Responding to the backlash, Soda and the team's other investors decided to change the team's nickname to the Raiders, which was a finalist in the contest along with the Lakers. Right. No, it's interesting. I I heard that the Raiders were originally supposed to have an umlaut over the A, but also did not <laughs> yeah. have it in the typeface. Yeah. Those are the good old days of the fixed type, you know. We can't do that. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I encourage everyone listening to go online and look at the color rush uniform for 2017 for the Raiders, which is Dan all black. It's pretty dope. Oh, wow. Look Including the that. helmet, which I don't, which I thought I heard that they weren't allowed to do. No, we saw that they could do it. It just takes time to repaint. Wow. I mean, that's cool. Isn't that oh, cool? I'm excited to watch that. I think the colors. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to say a few things here, Dan, the color scheme the uniform, everything completely surrounds the Raiders persona and the Raider, like the aura around the Raiders. It's a great match, great colors. On the logo, okay, here's the thing I'll say. I don't like what the dude looks like. He looks like his face. If you look really closely at it, it looks like a businessman with an eye patch on. <laughs> like he's too clean cut. Don't you yeah. think? Yeah. Yeah, right. He should have a beard or something. Yeah, he should have a beard or like a cut on his face. I mean, I guess this was like the most disheveled a man was allowed to look in the 1920s or whatever. <laughs> like that was, it was, oh, it, the the cleft on his chin is not quite symmetrical. <laughs> like yeah. 1960s, Joe. Whatever. Nonetheless, I feel like he should look a little bit more rugged. Yeah. He is really a good-looking guy outside. of Like, the eye patch doesn't fit. You're right. Yeah, I feel like you could do a makeover of him. You take the helmet off. You pull the swords out of his head. You take the eye patch off. You know, get him a, a like, haircut. <laughs> yeah. He'll get a job anywhere. Oh, absolutely. S- super employable. The next thing I'll say is that, obviously, the Raiders aren't going to change their name. It does seem a bit incongruous to have this, like, team that's all, like, dark and evil in Vegas, the city of like light and brightness and fun, like it seems like a bad fit. Yeah, I guess. But again, I think the Raiders themselves are an international team. They're not about the location where they're at. So it's like if you're going to be an international team, why not be in an international destination that, you know, right. it's fun. And I, I understand that your point is. You know, the, a lot of the people who work in Vegas, you know, might not be natural Raiders fans, but 
again, the Raiders fans will come. They'll travel. So it just seems like a it it is as much a logo and persona that doesn't fit the city as like the Lakers name fits fits Los Angeles, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. No. No. I agree. I mean, I don't think it fits Vegas, and I don't think really any team fits Vegas at all because Vegas is a tourist-driven city that that doesn't. I mean, what do you think of when you think of like Vegas culture? Like, no, I think it would have to be the Las Vegas Strippers. That's the only team name that makes sense. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And you're like, no, no, no. It's not like naked strippers. It's like the, it's like the strip. No, the strip. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, though the logo would be a naked woman, just to be clear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Now here's here's a deep cut question for you, Dan. It's a it's a real tough distinction. Not referencing the Super Bowl. Who would win in a fight, a Buccaneer or a Raider? The two pirates, <laughs> head to head. Well. I mean, the last time I went with the Buccaneer when I was against the Viking, and I, I mean, I don't even know what a Raider is, but based on the mascot and based on the way I see people dressing up, I feel like they're a lot of pretenders. Like, I know they're tough, and I don't want to get them wrong, but the Buccaneer is, like, still crafty, and a Buccaneer is a real yeah. pirate. They're not some fake, clean-cut guy that puts on an eye patch. They the use Raider, both their eyes. Yeah. You know, actually, that's what that Raider logo looks like. It's not that he's, it's like he's an undercover cop pretending to be a pirate to infiltrate a pirate ring. Yeah. He's like, hey, guys, look at my eye patch. <laughs> yeah. Can we, let's go sell some illegal drugs. And the eye patch still has the like Amazon Prime like uh, label no, the on eye it. Patch is a, is a microphone. He's like, hey, let's talk about our plan, but speak it to my iPad. <laughs> oh my God. The iPad is a brilliant place to put a microphone. <laughs> Joe, you've got a future uh, in law enforcement. That's so stupid. I Who know. would ever check the iPad? <laughs> no, they don't want to see someone's nasty, like rotten out eye. Hey, Joe, there are, I'm sure some of our fans have are missing eyes. It's fine. You're we right. don't judge. You're right. That was, that was insensitive. <sighs> Joe. Haven't we learned anything this week? Apologies for all of our Eyeless fans. Okay, um, Joe, rate the uniform and the logo. Give me yeah. a number. Take these deep feelings and put it put it in the, the 1 to 10 range. 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Wow. I dare say Raiders are doing pretty well. Number 10. Do they play a style of play you would enjoy watching? Uh, bruh. So, you know, this is the one that's always impossible to research. Last year, they were 7th in offensive DVOA, 23rd in defense, defensive DVOA, 13th overall. You know, they were 12-4. and four. If you watch them, their offense is pretty damn exciting. Their defense was pretty terrible, and they have played a lot of high-scoring games, a lot of passing yards, you know. But it, it's not a style that's uh, unique to them. There were actually a lot of teams in the NFL who played this particular style, I think it was fun. They had a young quarterback that w- that made his sort of breakthrough season last season and, he, of course, got hurt at the end of the year and where people are very sad they didn't get to see him in the playoffs. But I think next year you are going to get w- w- something that in the NFL that I think is really fun is you've got the quarterback after their breakout season and then you see, are they going to take it to another level above that or are they going to sort of regress or are they going to flatline? So, you know, the... 
there's a pretty high variance in, I think, what you're going to get out of Derek Carr, and, and that's probably pretty exciting. And as Tony said, they invested a lot in the defense in the draft, so if they can improve the defense and you know Derek Carr takes a step up, it's probably going to be a pretty uh, exciting team to watch. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think right off the bat, I mean, I think we've rated other teams pretty high, like the Washington Football Club, that are, are this combination of Look, they may be frustratingly bad on defense, but they're going to score a lot. They're going to air it out. Um, yeah. So I think right there, they are not a high score. Add to that the fact that they may have bolstered their defense. And, you know, you look at this team and you're like, man, if they if they figure out the defensive side of the ball, they're going to be a really formidable team. And Khalil Mack, experience. by the way, is a beast. That was brought up. Khalil Mack, oh, yeah. I don't know if he won defensive player there last year or something, but in all of the podcasts I'm listening to, it's like, he is yeah. a front runner for defensive player of the year. And also, he was a fun player to root for. He's just a fun player to watch. I think this is a pretty high team on this. So I'm going to also say 7.5 out of 10. All right, 7.5 out of 10. Now, that category, I never have something to talk about. and But in this one, I always never have a category to talk about, except for this team, number 11. What is interesting about this fan base as far as I could tell, there were only two NFL teams that had Wikipedia pages about their fans. Number one, we already covered, the Steelers, who had Steeler Nation, and this one, Raider Nation. So let me tell you what the Wikipedia page talks about what Raider Nation is and some famous members of it. The city of Oakland's working-class background and underdog status compared to its neighboring city of San Francisco. Oh, oh no is cited as the foundation of the Raider Nation and its image, as the influence of outlaws such as Al Davis and players like Ted Hendricks, John Matuzak, Bob Brown, Ken Stabor, Jack Tatum, the assassin, and Lyle Alzado in creating a bad boy image. The team's aggressive style of play during the 1970s and 1980s when the Raiders won their three Super Bowls is also key. Members of the Raider Nation take pride in their image, and many of the most devoted Raiders fans dress up in elaborate costumes on game day. Many of these costumes are intended to be intimidating and eccentric, while also adhering to the Raiders' silver and black color scheme. And many fans also create alter egos for these characters as well. These fans are typically the ones that are most associated with the Raider Nation and the black hole. Notable celebrity members of the Raider Nation include rapper and Oakland native... MC Hammer, actor Tom Hanks, who grew up in the nearby city of Concord, California, author Hunter S. Thompson, famously who wrote uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Who also, who also, little known true fact, waited until the end of the NFL season to commit suicide. Is that true? Yep. Reference Reference it, I, I believe, in his suicide note. Oh, my God. The Raiders had another just clearly before this Not season. Not because oh, of it. Man. He was like, look, like the timing was right. The NFL season's over. I got to wait a long time for the next one. Yeah. That's so sad. But it's very fitting for Hunter S. Thompson. And finally, like the most uh, prominent member of Raider Nation, rapper Ice Cube. So this is, you, you know, there's nothing. The category is what is interesting about this fan base. And this is one of the most, if not the most distinctive fan base in the NFL. Yeah. I'm a little bit nervous about how I will be received in this Reddit page. Yeah, don't go. You better get get your shank ready. So they have a gruff reputation. But then I'm coming in as a former Charger fan, though maybe that will make them laugh. I don't know. I don't know. 
It makes me nervous. But to be consistent, good or bad, Eagles or otherwise, we've rewarded distinctive fan bases. Yeah. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Oh my god. You gave the Chiefs an eight and a half out of ten? That's crazy. Well, they're so loud. All right. Whatever. That I I'm you like the loudness of the stadium over Tom Hanks rooting for the team, but you know what? Do whatever you want. Number twelve, rate the drink, Joe. Finish this baby off. How was whatever that yeah. Bellagio cocktail? It's one of my favorite drinks, but the downside to it is that it's hard to make it well at home. It's so perfect oh. at the Bellagio. Very difficult to recreate it. Just makes me want to go get the real thing. Four and a half out of ten. Wow. Maybe we should move the draft to uh, to Vegas, Joe. Yeah. We can do our live finale in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And if you pick this team, too, that'd be amazing. But anyways, that totals them up to 77 and a half. Wow. This is the highest scoring team since the Steelers so long ago. Their, uh, their neighbors on the... In the leaderboard are the Packers, who also match them at 77.5, the Bengals at 78, the Cowboys at 79.5. We have to go down all the way to 72 to find the Seahawks. All of these teams are comfortably in the maybe range, which is, uh, you know, sort of once you're in the 70s, you're uh, pretty, pretty much a lock for the maybe range on your scoring sheet. But, you know, you have some built in animus to this team. And you would be going against the direct wishes of your father, Joe. What are you going to do? Dan, I think the Raiders have to move on. 77. They made it. Wow. They did it. They, they earned it. That guy took off the eye patch, was as professional as could be, gussied himself up, and really put their best foot forward. Yep. Yep. Shall we move on to the second half of this doubleheader? Sure. What do we normally do at the end here? I, I, I don't remember. Dan, oh it's been a pleasure. All right, folks. If you have <laughs> any uh, feedback on the Oakland Raiders or, you know, whatever, you know what to do. Just send it to, just go to JoePicksPod.com and uh, whatever. Any poll question, Joe? Poll question? You know, I got, I got something loaded in the chamber, but we'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. All right. All right. So, blah, blah. See you, Joe. See you, Dan.